Hey everyone, I'm Jen. I'm Ash. I'm Mick. And this is Wrestling with Jam. We're three 30-somethings with a shared love for professional wrestling. Join us each week as we discuss all things wrestling, from current events to past favorites. And let's not forget about Seth Rollins' scandalous angles. Or Roman Reigns' nibbles. <laughs> or all the wrestling-adjacent tangents. We put out new episodes every Tuesday. You can find them anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts. Okay, hello and welcome to another episode of Midwest Madness. Um, I'm Emily. And I'm Danielle. And this is a true crime, cryptid, conspiracy, and cult podcast. And we are here to tell you some stories. (laughs) (laughs) Today it's Emily's turn. Yep. Um, And mine's a little long, I feel like, but... I go more in, like, to the backstory of this person more than I have been, so we'll find out. I'm excited because you seemed like it was a good story when we talked about it the other day. I feel like it's a good story. Hopefully you think so, too, but... Well, I'll never tell you if I think it's shit, so... You could, though. (laughs) I wouldn't be mad. But I won't. Maybe just do it, like, off air. (laughs) Yeah, I'm too Minnesota nice to be like, Emily, that was terrible. I would I would prefer you actually tell me if it sucks. <laughs> okay. To be honest. All right, fine. Okay. Um so let's get right into it. Um today I am going to be telling you the story of Herbert Baumeister and Fox Hollow Farm. Okay. I f- is This sounds familiar. Yeah. Is- I feel like once you hear it is there a movie about that? No. Fox. Uh, I mean, I'm sure there might be, but. I feel like there's like a Steve Carell movie where it's like Fox something and it's got Channing Tatum or so, I don't know. I have no idea what I, you're talking okay. about. Yeah. I, okay. <laughs> I, I don't know what it, it's Fox something. People are screaming at me right now. They're like, it's this, it's this. Or everyone's like, I have no idea what she's talking about. I'm not making this up. I swear to God. Okay. We'll have to look <laughs> it up later. Um, okay, so let's get into it. Um, Herb, I'm going to call him Herb. That's fine with me. Are you guys buddies? Yeah. All right. Herb Baumeister was born on April 7th, 1947 to Dr. Herbert E. and Elizabeth Baumeister in Indianapolis, Indiana, and he was the oldest of four children. He seemed to have a fairly normal childhood. However, it was said that in his early adolescence, he began to exhibit some antisocial behavior. That's never good. Yeah. One of my sources stated he was doing some pretty shitty things like, well, it didn't actually say pretty shitty, but that's my own. (laughs) That's your paraphrasing. Language. (laughs) Um, Things like playing with dead animals. Oh, no. I put in parentheses, never good. Yeah. And urinating on his teacher's desks at school. What? Question mark. That's weird. Yeah. Another source said that he brought in a dead crow and put it on his teacher's desk and I'm sure she was like, thank you. Wow. wow. That's okay. I would have cool. preferred an apple, but <laughs> a crow works. You know, thanks, Herb. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> now, um, obviously, his classmates began to distance themselves from Gosh, him. Gosh, I wonder why. And he didn't really have any friends. I wonder why which is kind of sad like it is a little sad but, but if you're gonna also, be, be bringing dead animals and like into peeing school, on your teacher's desk that's like, yeah 
yeah a little weird Mm -hmm. um he even started to become disruptive and violent in school so all around just not a good vibe going on with herb in the early years yeah sounds like it knowing herbs teenage years hey, I'm, um sirius has a squeaky toy i know so um i can, can hear you hear it, it? In the headphones. <laughs> shoot yeah um so he's really happy with his squeaky toy so please just ignore the yeah we're random just gonna, squeaks. he'll get bored with it pretty quick so we're just gonna ignore it <laughs> um now in herb's teenage years it was he was actually diagnosed with schizophrenia and multiple personality disorder wow but it was said that his parents um never got him any help multiple personality disorder is super rare so that's like really surprising that especially that young they were able to say like oh yeah this is what's going on and you know i saw that it was it was only one of my sources so i don't know for sure if okay. it w- that was uh, schizophrenia was in both of my sources okay. and multiple personality disorder was only in one so well for for both of those aren't Aren't they usually, like, diagnosed when you're older? Yeah, typically schizophrenia uh, shows up in your early 20s, I want to say. Yeah, that's what I thought, too. Um, But we also have to remember this was in, like, what, ni- like, the 1950s. Oh, okay. So this is a really long time ago. Yeah. And um, it does say that they didn't get him any help. That's so sad. But, again, back then, help for something like this was shock therapy. An institutionalization, right? Where well, they would just, like, uh, no, shock therapy, where really? they would just shock the shit out of his brain. Ooh. And so I'm wondering if maybe they're like, oh, we don't really want to like put him through put that. Him through that. Yeah. Because his dad was a doctor. He was an oh, anesthesiologist. Yeah, right. So right. like he's a doctor, but yeah. he's obviously doesn't specialize in something like this. But I'm thinking maybe they just were like, you know, we don't want to him through that yeah that's fair so i don't think they were being bad parents i think maybe they were being good parents yeah and just yeah i don't know just didn't have the resources that we do now and yeah and we're doing the best they could so i mean you can't really fault them for that no you know? my next sentence is this makes me think that maybe if his parents did seek treatment for him and got him help maybe he wouldn't have turned out to be such a shitty person but i'm like contradicting my statement here because i think it's no, different yeah now that you've like thought, thought about, about it, a little it more, yeah so yeah, that happens yeah i i think i'm thinking maybe they just didn't want to put him through that shock therapy yeah because that a I doesn't can, work no <laughs> and b is could like literally fuck you up so well and is torture yeah so um cool okay so in 1965, Herb attended Indiana University, but again, he wasn't really functioning normally, and he was acting strange, and he dropped out after his first semester. In 1967, so two years later, with pressure from his father, Herb returned to IU to study anatomy, but as you can guess, this didn't really go well, and he dropped out this time before the semester ended. Well, yeah, he should have been studying taxidermy. Yeah. He clearly already likes dead animals. animals right? However, when he went back to IU this time, he did end up meeting Juliana Sater, who was a journalism student, and they began dating. Apparently, they had a lot in common and both wanted to open their own business someday, so they were able to, like, bond over that. Did she also like dead animals? <laughs> no okay 
you said lots of comments so yeah i guess in 1971 herb and juliana married and six months into their marriage herb's dad actually had him committed to a mental institution for some reason not sure why interesting um, or for what but he only stayed for two months um that's weird so again that makes me think that um like they obviously wanted to get him help yeah so yeah now this didn't affect his marriage because juliana was very much in love with her husband um so even though he was sent away they were like she was like cool it's cool um and then nine years into their marriage juliana and herb started a family they ended up having three kids two girls and a boy and it was said that her was a very loving and caring father i'm i'm like sitting here like waiting for the other shoe to drop i'm just waiting and wait because like we know what's gonna happen yeah but okay Okay. um heard had multiple odd jobs that his father helped him get such as a copy boy at the indianapolis star newspaper and an entry-level position at the bureau of motor vehicles um although he was eager to do a good job he was again labeled an oddball bossy and aggressive um he did stay at the bmv for 10 years and was rewarded yeah with a promotion but shortly after this promotion he got fired for urinating on a letter that was addressed to then indiana governor robert d orff he has a weird thing about peeing on things yeah that's weird that is weird and I read too that the coworkers apparently like somebody had peed on like the manager's desks a few months earlier, and they were like, "Hmm, wonder who that could have been." Yeah, because he has no history of doing that at all. Yeah, so, so weird. That's so weird. He's a weird uh, guy. Yeah, yeah, clearly. Yeah. Um. Now in 1988, Herb borrowed four thousand dollars from his mother to open a thrift store with his wife, which they named Save a Lot. Business boomed, and within the first year, they were able to open a second location. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, um, and the business, like, part of the um, proceeds went to a children's foundation. Oh, nice. Yeah, so they were doing good things with Always that. like a charitable couple. Yeah. Now, due to these stores, Herb and his wife, Juliana, became rich, in 1991, the Baumeister family moved to an 18-acre horse farm. Oh, sorry, horse ranch. Gotta correct myself. Called Fox Hollow Farm in the Westfield area, which is outside of Indianapolis. Okay. Yeah. Her I'm, ba- re- I'm ready. Baumeister <laughs> had become a valued member of society, giving back to the community and donating to many different charities. So he was like actually a like a good part of the community. People really valued him in a way i guess so interesting um i think i think i know who this i think i know the story now okay i think i do i think it just clicked we'll have to wait and see yes um okay i lost myself okay there Sorry. it is although herb stores had a reputation for being clean and organized the fox hollow farm had fallen into disrepair the grounds were overgrown and the rooms in the main house were dirty and gross i think this might be where it'll click for you the only place that herb cared about was the pool house yep yep he apparently kept the wet bar stocked and even set up and dressed mannequins to make it seem like there was a pool party going on which oh is my god, that's creepy so, so weird oh my god it's so creepy could you imagine being like one of his kids and just like 
we're gonna go swimming and then there's like we're gonna hang out with the mannequins oh my god i hate it yeah yeah okay yep i know okay so because of the state of the house juliana and the kids often left and stayed at herb's mom's condo at lake wawasi (laughs) i think it's wawasi i think (laughs) let's go with it okay herb stayed behind to quote-unquote run the stores um but it seems like after the second store opened the business began losing money so herb and juliana were extremely stressed and herb started to become like a day drunk which um i fully support the day drinking but like (laughs) let's keep it to special occasions and like the weekends (laughs) um at night, without Juliana knowing, Herb would cruise gay bars, then sulk back to the pool house and cry with his mannequins about his dying business. I'm sorry to laugh, but it's just so stupid. You could laugh because it's hilarious. <laughs> oh, hey, Manny. Uh, I'm so sad. It's, it's so sad. It's terrible. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It, it's the best visual, like, honestly. Yeah. Okay, so now we got a good backstory of Herb. Let's get into the crimes. So, retired police investigator Virgil Vandegrift had opened his own private investigation firm in Indianapolis. In the 1990s, a large amount of gay men in the Indianapolis... Indianapolis. There you go. (laughs) Area were going missing. And Vandegrift believed that they were all connected because, I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, In June of 1994, Virgil was contacted by the mother of 28-year-old Alan Broussard, who had gone missing after he had headed to meet his partner at a popular gay bar called Brothers. So, uh, what year is this in again? 1994. Okay, so, this is going to, this is always so sad, like... Because, like, even now, sometimes LGBTQ crimes aren't, like, the most taken care of. And, like, I can imagine it was even worse back then. Because, like, people weren't out like they are now. I don't think that played any part in it, you to be honest. So? It doesn't seem like it. Okay, good. Because yeah. I, I always have to, like, brace myself for that. Because it always makes me so sad. I like, when a victim is just, like, ignored because of their yeah. lifestyle. That's not, like, the vibe I got at okay, all. Okay, good. Good, good. Um... And I didn't read anything about that, so I'm not 100% sure. Sirius just ran into a table. Um, but yeah. So she had gone missing after going to meet his partner. A week later, Virgil was contacted by another mother, uh, the mother of 30. Okay, so in one of my sources, it said 32, and the other one, it said 34. Okay, well, we'll say 32 to just, you okay. know. Old Roger Godlet. Goodlet? Goodlet. We'll go with Goodlet. Okay. Who had gone missing after visiting another gay bar in the downtown Indianapolis area. Both Alan and Roger shared a similar lifestyle. They looked alike and they were also like around the same age within, you know. The early 30s. Late 20s, early 30s. They're within like four to six years depending on what age you you go with. Okay. Yep. Okay. Um. Now, Virgil went down to the area of Indianapolis that all the gay bars were located and put up a bunch of missing person posters with Alan's and Roger's photos on them and then had his information on them. So if anyone, like, had any information about the disappearances, they could contact him. Okay. Um, 
Not long after Virgil, after that, Virgil was contacted by a man who said he thought that he had spent time with the person who was involved in the disappearance of Roger. Um, okay, so he he believes that he was with the person that made Roger disappear, not with Roger. Correct. Okay. Sorry, did I say that? No, no. Yeah, the person I, who was involved in the disappearance I just of wanted to be clear because it, it was a lot of information. Yeah. Okay. Um, now, this man, he's not named, so I'm not... They give him, like, a pseudonym name. So, like, John Doe. His, yeah, his... In the one source I read, it was Tony, but I'm just going to say, I'm not, I'm just going to say the man. <laughs> oh, okay, that's fine. Um, he said he wanted, went to the police and the FBI, but they disregarded this information. So I guess like there was some, but like, that, I mean, that could happen in, in, in any case. It didn't seem like it was because of, of the LGBTQ connection. Yes. Okay. It just seemed like that there, there wasn't like. They didn't think there was enough information or okay. something like that versus anything else. So okay. um, he came to Virgil instead because Virgil had put up all those posters. Um, and obviously Virgil believed him. So he got his story and it's pretty bananas. So I'm, re- I'm ready. Here's the story. But and after you hear the story, I'm like, how did the FBI and the police like not take this seriously yeah i'm wondering if maybe they didn't even get that far but i guess we'll see okay okay um let's see sorry lost my spot again that's okay uh the man stated that he went was at a gay bar in indianapolis when he noticed a man who seemed to be a little bit overly interested in his friend roger's missing person poster so it seems like he knew roger and they were friends okay um he's i suppose it's probably not like a huge community oh back i would then. assume you know, yeah it's probably smaller. they probably knew yeah you know, a lot of the same people um he said that he was watching the man from a distance and his in his gut he knew that he had something to do with the disappearance and i mean this guy like if i thought that i knew or had a feeling that that guy was involved, I would have been like, see ya. Yeah. But this guy was like, I mean, props to him. He's an all-star. But also, like, let's be a little, let's try to be safe. Okay. At the same time. (laughs) So what you're saying is he made a choice that could have put him in a very bad spot. It did put him in a bad spot. Um, So the man then decided to introduce himself to try to learn more about him. Um, the man told him that his name was Brian Smart and that he was a landscaper from Ohio. When the man tried to bring up Roger, Brian became evasive and, like, didn't want to talk about it. Even though he'd been, like, staring Staring at at the the poster. poster. Okay, that's weird. Yeah. Um, as the night went on, Brian eventually invited the man back for a swim at a house that he was doing landscaping for the owners. And the owners were, like, temporarily gone like away and he okay. was living there doing landscaping for them okay i'm suspicious <laughs> yeah but i guess in the moment like maybe you would believe that i don't know um the man agreed and climbed into brian's buick which he did note had ohio plates okay brian drove north however the man was not familiar with this area so he later had a hard time remembering like where exactly they went oh um, he Darn. said that there were a lot of big houses with horse farms. He also said that the driveway they turned into had a split rail fence 
and a sign that said like farm something on it okay something with farm on it um, so but in that area that's not like super i would assume helpful. it's probably not uncommon to have like signs yeah because outside because like you know a lot of space and you gotta differentiate your space somehow right yeah that's kind of what it seems like okay um so they turn in the driveway um they pull up to a large tudor home um and they entered through a side door the man said the house was full of furniture and boxes when they reached the pool area he noticed a bunch of mannequins dressed up which he thought was weird as a normal human being would at this point like can you like i would assume your like bells and whistles are just like going off like you would hope run i mean especially if he sounds like he's one of those people that's like really in tune with their gut yeah because like he said he had a gut feeling this guy was involved and i'm assuming this guy's name really isn't brian smart you would assume correctly because the i'm hoping there's not two men out there that have (laughs) mannequins and dress up mannequins pools with mannequins in them yeah yeah we're gonna hope i mean i'm sure there are but oh god yeah um may you never see that in person we pray (laughs) brian offered him a drink which the man declined good move yes he then said that brian left the room for a bit and when he came back he was a lot more like chatty and on a lot more like energy so we suspected that he went like snorted cocaine Ooh, yikes yeah um don't do drugs kids yeah Brian then began talking about how he liked erotic asphyxiation. Auto-erotic asphyxiation. (laughs) Words on a Sunday afternoon. Um, And asked if the man would do it to him. The man agreed and choked Brian with a hose while he masturbated. Brian then asked if he could do it to him, which he agreed again. Why? No, Uh, ick. Um, but it became apparent that Brian wasn't going to let go. So then the man proceeded to pretend to pass out. Okay, that's smart. And Brian let go of the hose. When he opened his eyes, Brian was shocked to see that he was still, like, alive. He said. (laughs) Like, he was like, what the fuck? (laughs) I'm not laughing about this guy was almost strangled to death. But, like, can you just imagine? You're like, oh, okay, I killed it. And then his eyes open. You're like, shit. You're like, fuck. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's exactly what I'm Zombie. imagining as well. Um, now, after this, Brian just drove the man back to Indianapolis, and they planned to meet up again the next week. What? That's so weird. Yeah. And he's the, just like, okay, see you next week. Like, Love you. Fun. Bye. Um, that was fun. Mm, Bye. Gross. Uh I don't know if he sounded that way, but yeah. It's still... It's weird. It's weird. I was like, whoa. I would assume like that he would like kill him. Yeah, right? <laughs> Unless he was like trying oh. to play it off as like, oh my oh. God, I'm so glad you're okay. That really scared me. Like, yeah. well, you know, because like... The guy didn't see. He seemed that way, but like... That's what I would do. Yeah. But I'm not a murderer. It's so. true. Well, um, as far as you know. <laughs> they fully believe that... The only reason this guy is alive is, A, because he was smarter than, quote-unquote, Brian, mm-hmm. um, for not taking the drink. Yeah. Obviously. Do you, do they assume the drink was spiked Probably. or something? Yeah, that, okay. that's kind of what they're assuming. Okay. And, B, like, faking 
dead basically <laughs> and yeah. then being like surprised playing possum yeah <laughs> um so yeah now obviously they didn't meet back up after I, that yeah i would hope not i would hope that guy was like no thanks yeah like i'm good um but it it sounds like so let me just say this next part and then we'll kind of circle back to this but after hearing the story virgil turned to his friend in the police department um her name is mary wilson and she works in the missing persons unit um she immediately believed this guy's story and jumped in to help so it seems like um like immediately after this happened he talked to virgil Mm -hmm. and then virgil talked to mary and mary's like sweet let's go meet up with him again the next week okay so we can like see who this is whatever yeah Yeah. so the guy like showed up and brian didn't oh so brian was the spooked one yeah okay interesting so that's do you think he got word that he had talked to the police no i just think he was like fuck okay (laughs) like scared like like someone out there knows what i'm doing yeah but see to me that would that would say like even more of a reason why you would want to go back to that person because and then, then kill him yeah, i don't know. actually kill him this time i don't know yeah i it seems a little weird i think he was just like i'm gonna just swerve on out of here and like yeah we'll call it good but yeah i mean thankfully we really don't know what was going on in True. his head so yeah um but that guy's like a badass yeah, no kidding oh my god like how, how scared do you think he was oh especially when when this guy's like literally trying to suffocate or strangle him to death like, well even just like a you've you think he has something to do with your friend's disappearance and like probably yeah, murder yeah, at that yeah. like you're probably thinking and then b you walk in and there's like a bunch of like mannequins and you're just that would like, be when i'd piece up like cool you, you know and then you bring in the autoerotic asphyxiation and it's just like sweet yeah yeah no but like what not to like yuck someone else's yum but like no yeah yeah i agree there's like a fetish community that really like and really if you do it safely and with consent it's fine but yeah this is (laughs) but like that it just it's that's one of the ones that really freaks me out i just would have been shitting my pants if i was this guy oh yeah he's super brave and like really He's, like, the hero of the story, for sure. He, he, like, didn't necessarily make the best life choices, but, like, putting himself in that kind of a risk situation, but, like, thank God he did, and thank God he got out okay. Yeah, because he, it's, like, his, his story that really, like, brings this all together, kind of. Okay. Um, so, we brought Mary in, she jumps in to help. Um, she also drove the guy around the wealthy suburbs to see if he would, would like recognize the driveway or any of the houses he was taken to. Any luck? No. Darn. Um, unfortunately they couldn't find it, which kind of sucks, but Yeah, I mean and it could be like he he was running on so much adrenaline, That's true. I'm sure that it was just And like, it was dark and yeah. you know I'm sure the suburbs are huge and And if everything looks really similar. Relatively similar, yeah. yeah. That would be hard yep um now let's jump to a year later okay um the man saw brian smart again in a bar in indianapolis and this time he was able to get brian's license plate number which he then gave to mary wilson damn this guy is literally the smartest person in the whole like in the whole case just like the 
just to have the mind to like be like oh license plate like yeah so smart at least he didn't go back to the house yeah no kidding um now after running the plate they found that the car belonged to one herb baumeister i can't believe it shocking his his name isn't brian smart no what so crazy we're shocked so now that they have a suspect mary actually went to one of herb's save a lot stores while he was working and confronted him (laughs) mary's like she's not having any of it yeah she's she's uh not pulling any punches is she she told him that he he was the suspect in the disappearance of many men in the area and she asked if detectives could search his property let me guess it was a hard no (laughs) yeah her obviously refused and told mary that any further communication should go through his lawyer come on mary well what do you mean like be a little bit more stealthy and try and get enough so that you can get a search warrant right away and no, not have to... I don't think it's... I think she was just like... Mm-hmm. I mean, I I'm not a professional. Mary's so. the best, so I'm, All right. I'm team Mary. Okay. After this, Mary went to Juliana then, his wife, telling her what that her husband was a suspect in many disappearances of men. And then although Juliana was shocked to hear this, she also refused to let investigators search the property. Well, because she's, like, still really in love with her husband, right? Like, that was one of the things. Like, she was... They were having, like, problems, remember? Because... Oh, yeah, the money stuff. Yeah, the money and the the stores and the weird house. Yeah. Um, But she's still in love with him, yes, obviously. So, after this, Mary then tried getting Hamilton County officials to get her a search warrant to search the property, but they just told her that there wasn't enough evidence to grant one. So, she obviously she's trying she's yeah. literally like going to every <laughs> she's trying to do everything she can do so maybe i'm wondering if maybe she knew there wasn't enough evidence to get a search warrant right away so that's why she went to herb first and was like well if i can get his permission yeah. then it doesn't i don't need this search warrant but and then went to juliana and then they went to the officials um but yeah yikes man so mary i mean I, i'm trying. i'm really glad that she's like working her tail off and and doing the best she can to to get the permission she needs to to search the property yeah um now over the next six months this took six months her was not doing well i think mary's visit like really shook him up and he's like oh fuck um the stores they owned were in disarray and they were facing bankruptcy um and then here comes juliana i love her she's a great great gal um she ever since mary had visited her was kind of like thinking back um to a time two years prior when their son who was 13 at the time had found a skeleton while playing on their property oh my god the son showed juliana and then she showed herb and he told her that his father used skeletons for work and he found some while cleaning the garage one day and decided to bury them in the yard so at the time juliana believed him and now she was like um probably not that's so weird too though but i mean I guess you can't get too much weirder than dressing up mannequins in your pool house. Well, I feel like, too, like... So, like, she's... It kind of... Sorry, was that loud? Yeah. <laughs> it kind of does make sense in a way, like, her... Not... I mean, not really, but, like, I mean... He was a doctor. Her dad was a doctor. Yeah. He probably did have these kind of things around. And, like, what I'm saying is, like, Herb is weird. Herb is weird. You know, so, like, 
to us that seems really weird but like maybe for her that just made sense because he was just kind of a weird guy yeah and you know i don't know but i'm glad that like she thought about it yeah me too um so while herb was away for the weekend with their son visiting his mother juliana called mary told her about the skeleton that was found yes. two years earlier yes then called her lawyer <laughs> She filed for divorce and let investigators search the property. Yes, girl. Get it. Yeah. Juliana was like, fuck this. I'm out. Well done. Go, Julie. Now, <laughs> on June 24th, 1996, Wilson and three Hamilton County police officers began searching the property. They found next to the patio, like, tiny little pebbles that Herb's kids would play with. And upon closer inspection, they found that They're these not. were, in fact, oh. bone fragments, Ew. not pebbles. Oh, that's so icky. It's so sad. I um, hate that. Those poor kids. Yeah. Ugh. That would, like, fuck me up if I was, like, finding that out later. Being like, oh, those are actually bones you're playing with. Like, yeah. Right. So the next day, they began digging. What they found was 5,500 bone fragments and teeth spread throughout their property as well as their neighbors that is a lot of bone fragments yeah the Holy bones crap. were found to belong to 11 different men 11 yeah oh my god that's so many people yeah however they were only able to identify four so Aww, that's too sad that's so sad roger goodlett was found and identified okay he was 32 or 34 <laughs> He was um, in his early 30s. Early 30s. Stephen Hale, 26. Richard Hamilton, 20. And Manuel Resendez, 31. Ugh, so sad. Yeah. Now, let's remember, at this point, Herb is away with the son. Yeah. And Juliana starts to panic because she's like, oh, fuck. She has, he has my, my, son. my son. And he doesn't know, like, what's going on. So she was like, fuck and mary was also like fuck um so <laughs> they drew up some papers to serve to herb um stating that the son needed to be returned to juliana and herb thought this was just some like legal maneuvering since juliana had filed for divorce so it sounds like he knew that she had filed for divorce okay so he just was like oh this must just be something to do with that so he gave the son over oh, with no god. incident which is thank good. god yeah um, now, when news of the bodies being found broke, Herb disappeared. Oh, no. On July 3rd, Herb Baumeister's body was found in his car in Canada with a gunshot wound to the head. He had completed suicide. He left a three-page suicide note stating the reason for him taking his own life was the failing business and marriage. He did not say anything about the bodies found on his property. I always hate when when people, when murderers and do shit like that yeah it just frustrates me because it's like y you deserve to be punished here on earth for what you did yeah and like it's just it just makes me so mad because it just feels like an easy way out like obviously suicide is a very serious thing and like with mental health it's you know it's not it's not an easy way out for people who have those mental health issues and depression and stuff but like for a criminal it just feels like the easy way out yeah do you know what i mean no i get what you're saying like it's a very 
you're kind of you're walking a thin thin line yeah. but i understand what exactly you're saying yeah and and so like, like i, I wish he would have faced some consequences yes, right for yeah. his okay. actions yeah that's yeah yep just is very frustrating to yeah me. no i agree with you completely um now oops hitting buttons here wrong <laughs> buttons wrong buttons pause there it is <laughs> um after his death, his now ex-wife, Juliana, helped investigators put together evidence that pointed um, to her being the I-70 strangler as well. What? So, between 1989 and the mid-1990s, multiple gay men went missing and their bodies were found scattered along the I-70 freeway in Ohio. Four of the victims found were from Indianapolis. So, is it assumed that Herb is, like, bisexual i don't or know did he like hate gays and that's why he was killing them no i don't think it was that okay i but i honestly i it doesn't say anything I about his sexuality to be honest i didn't look into that okay i probably should have but no i was just curious i didn't um i i don't i want to say it's the bisexual thing okay. but don't quote me on that yeah because we just don't have any yeah proof or anything yep um so four of the victims that were found were from indianapolis um juliana stated that herb had taken multiple trips uh she said like in the hundreds between indianapolis and columbus for quote-unquote business taking the i-70 freeway so after herb and juliana moved to fox hollow farm the bodies stopped showing up along i-70 and they theorized that was because he had plenty of land to bury the bodies where he was now. Okay. Yep. Also, super off topic, but I just remembered what that movie is called. It's called Foxcatcher. <laughs> okay. So, I just had to tell you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it was theorized that Herb killed, well, we know he killed 11 for sure. Because that's how many they found, found on the property, on the right? property. Okay. Yep. Between 11 to 21 men between 1989 and 1996 that's so many people yeah um and that is the story of her baumeister and the fox hollow farms so fun fact the reason i know this story is because one of the ghost shows that i watch i think did they go there yeah (gasps) yeah i think it's kindred spirits with amy bruni and adam barry i think that's the one it is it's either that or it's a ghost hunters i can't remember but yeah, they like go to the the farm and they like investigate because I'm 99% sure it's Kindred Spirits, which is on Discovery Plus. Oh, I'm going to have to watch that later. Yeah. And they like, the guy that's living there now that like- Somebody the, lives there? Yeah. Oh, yeah, so no. He's like a renter and he like, he said he's like seen like a spirit like run through his apartment and he's heard like banging on doors and like scratching and like all this crazy- crazy shit and so like they were like well yeah considering what happened here that that makes sense because like he thinks that it's like a victim trying to get away oh which is really sad i wonder if juliana still owns the property yeah i don't know because he so there's like an apartment on the property so there's like the main house and there's like an apartment and he lives in the apartment i wonder if it's the pool house i wonder if they're connected it's like the pool house is connected to the main house 
yeah i don't i don't remember for sure that's super interesting if you want to watch it later i would highly recommend doing it it's really interesting might have to watch it tomorrow during the day so i don't scare myself (laughs) (laughs) yeah it was really interesting i'm i'm like 99 percent sure it's kindred spirits oh okay well and they use a psychic named chip coffee and he's really really interesting cool well i'll have to watch that later yeah but i finally did oh that was loud too i'm sure (laughs) i finally did a story that um had a conclusion yeah thank you (laughs) all my other stories like really haven't have been what do you think what do you think and then i'm always like sitting here like i don't don't know know. (laughs) which is so unsatisfying for our listeners i'm sure um well i like to do them because then you get a little conspiracy in it too you kind of get to like you know yeah don't worry um you'll still get that little fix yeah next week story yep yep cool so yeah that is my story that was a good one um thank you i hope i did it justice (laughs) yeah it was good i was i mean i was entertained and i i kind of knew some of the stuff of the story and i i did not know it was that many people though yeah it was a lot and it's so sad that they weren't able to identify a lot of them i know and like that could also be why the place is haunted because like these people are like i'm here too do you think he's probably the i-70 strangler i mean more than likely i'm gonna the, it, the mo fits yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna say probably because like he killed by strangulation or at least yes. he tried to kill that one guy by strangulation, by strangulation so yeah. it would make sense that that's his like preferred way to do it yeah and they did he keep any trophies not that i found okay because um, like how creepy would it be if he like dressed in the mannequins and oh my god clothes? in their clothing yeah <gasps> i didn't be... even think about that <sighs> that would be really creepy oh i just gave myself the chills oh i hate that but they said that he because indianapolis and like the ohio border i don't think are too far from each other okay and like that's the main highway that drives between them um so they said that he would um most of his victims i don't want to say most but at least four of them we know are from indianapolis so at least four of them he crossed into a different state to bury them so it'd be harder to um i like identify him as yeah. the this person yeah. so definitely some strategic thinking there but yeah oh it's so sad thank god for that guy who oh my god right was anonymous man smart enough and brave enough to uh bring this guy down and no kidding. for mary wilson and virgil who believed his story yeah too. Like, put in the work yeah and for juliana for, yeah juliana for coming for being forward. like holy shit for, something's not right for a second there i was a little nervous about her but she came through in the end so look at your dog right now please yeah he's being weird he's completely so for listeners he's completely upside down with his head hanging off the couch while i scratch his chin he's a weirdo he is he's real cute though okay should i i didn't have many sources this time um what do you mean i only had two sources yeah you but you haven't shared them yet i know i'm gonna do that right now oh you said i didn't have i, I thought you said i didn't have any yeah like, I, I wrote that whole thing <laughs> off the top of my head yeah and i was like what you, that's why i was confused you said many, many. yes I, I heard any i, I only like, had uh. two i used the um my first time using murderpedia Ooh. um yep so murderpedia.org and then there was an article on thoughtco.com written by charles mantaldo um 
called Herb Burmeister serial killer. <laughs> yes, so, succinct. Yep. <laughs> Accurate. <laughs> yeah, so that is that. Um, do you want to share socials or should we just put them in the show notes? I never put them in the show notes. Should I start putting them in the show notes? I feel like we should just start putting them in the show notes. Okay. Well, Honestly, I feel like most people don't listen all the way to the end anyway. Well, let's If just... you're anything like me, you just, as soon as the story is done, you're like, done. <laughs> um, I, I, I'm the exact opposite. I oh. don't like having half listened to or not fully listened to podcasts. Oh, so funny. I listen to the full, the full thing. So let's just do our two main ones, which is Facebook group, mm-hmm. Midwest Madness podcast, and the Instagram, which is MW Madness podcast. Yeah. And then our Gmail is, is the same thing at gmail.com. Yep. And if you want to leave us a review, please do. And sh- share us with a friend. Yeah. Um, we are trying to come up with something fun for you guys when we hit a certain milestone, I think, was mm-hmm. what we talked about. With, like, followers and yeah. stuff. Yeah. And, and so reviews and stuff will be part of that. But we, we're not going to announce anything yet because we have to, like, really iron out all the details still. Yep. Um, cool. Be on the lookout, I guess, is what I'm saying. So uh, that is it for us. Stay tuned for Danielle's story next Tuesday. Woohoo! And that is that. All right. Bye. Bye, guys.